This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Cardiovascular disease is a leading cause of death in individuals in the United States, and many feel that our typical American diet with its high saturated fat content is a major contributor to this. There's good evidence that shows a plant-based diet is cost-effective in lowering the risk factors for cardiovascular disease, including obesity, hyperlipidemia, hypertension, and diabetes. And they may also lower the number of medications an individual needs to take to manage their chronic diseases. So are there any disadvantages to a plant-based diet? Are all plant-based diets healthy? And what are the nutritional challenges for a patient on a plant-based diet? We'll discuss these questions in today's podcast with our guest, Lisa Lamert, a registered dietitian and nutritionist at the Mayo Clinic. You're listening to Mayo Clinic Talks. Lisa, welcome, and thank you for joining me. This should be fun. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited yeah. to be here. I'm always interested in talking about food. I'm confused, though. Is a plant-based diet the same as a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet? That is such a great first question. The short answer is no, not necessarily. When we're talking about a plant-based diet, what I really think is a whole food plant-based diet. So really, this is a lifestyle where we're emphasizing whole foods, mostly plants, and minimizing the animal products as much as possible. But we really see a spectrum there. We might see some people who completely eliminate all animal products, and others might just be interested in how can I increase the plants in my diet? How can I increase the fiber? And they're just looking at reducing portion sizes you know, of animal products. Where a vegetarian and vegan diet are not the same is that there's a lot of vegan products or things that are labeled plant-based in the grocery store that are not necessarily whole foods. So I often give the example to my patients, things like chips or some cookies or soda or French fries. Those are technically vegan. They don't contain animal products. But when we talk about plant-based diet or a whole foods diet, that's really not what we want to be, including most of the time, obviously. So a plant-based diet doesn't necessarily mean excluding all meats. Not necessarily. For some, it absolutely can. And I do think that's where we probably get the most benefit. But there are many patients I visit with that they just say, no, I, I don't think I can take out all meats. And I just say, okay, how can we work on increasing the plants, maybe considering some meatless meals a few times a week, making sure you're getting fruits and vegetables at each meal to get the best balance. So what about foods such as fish, eggs, or say dairy products? Yeah, I think we see a lot of the same thing there where, you know, there's a flexitarian diet, some may hear, where people are maybe including some of those products some of the time, but it's not a regular mainstay in their diet. Or they may be a pescatarian where they're choosing to eat fish, or we see that a lot on a Mediterranean style diet where they're consuming majority or predominantly a plant-based diet, but including small amounts of things like dairy or eggs or fish. So let's say I was a patient of yours and you were going to explain 
what foods I could eat in terms of a plant-based diet, what would, what would you tell me? Yeah, absolutely. Vegetables are obviously a huge part of this diet. And obviously the non-starchy vegetables, a lot of leafy greens, a lot of, you know, things like zucchini, carrots, cucumbers, the list goes on and on there. There's no limit on the vegetables, but also the non or the starchy vegetables are included as well. So potatoes, sweet potatoes, corn, peas, those are all acceptable. Whole fruits are on this diet and a variety of whole grains. So things like oats or barley, quinoa, whole wheat products, good variety of whole grains to get good fiber there. And then uh, plant-based protein sources like beans, black beans, kidney beans, pinto beans, the list goes on and on there. Lentils, soy-based products like tofu and tempeh. And then there's a lot of use of fresh herbs and spices, nuts and seeds, avocados to flavor foods. All right. Well, I mentioned some of the benefits of a plant-based diet in my introduction, but could you go over those in greater detail? Yes, absolutely. I'm happy to. So, you know, as you said, the research really shows increased risk for cardiovascular disease, stroke, diabetes with diets that are higher in meat and animal products. We think this is likely due to the higher intake of total fat, saturated fat, cholesterol, and sodium. Could also be to higher intake of heme iron. And then I work primarily in oncology and, you know, the World Cancer Research Fund shows a strong evidence that red meat and processed meats can increase our risk of certain cancers, especially some of the GI cancers, colorectal cancer. And a plant-based diet is really encouraged for cancer prevention and those in cancer survivorship. I also think about it this way, that if we're consuming more meat and animal products, it's probably likely we're not consuming as many fiber-rich foods. Those might be taking the place of some of the beans or the whole grains or the fruits and vegetables that are on our plate. So that would help for those who maybe have a problem with constipation, increasing their fiber in their diet? Yes, absolutely. One of the benefits I was going to talk about with the plant-based diet is from a GI standpoint, we see... Many people come to me and they're struggling with constipation or they're struggling with irritable bowel type symptoms. And when they start getting more regular fiber intake on a plant-based diet, they're seeing more bowel regularity. A lot of people also ask me about prebiotics or probiotics. And I tell them when they're eating, you know, some of the prebiotic plant foods. So these are found in fruits and vegetables. They're found in things like garlic, onions, bananas, oats, when they're including those foods in their diet, those prebiotic fiber sources are going to help fuel the trillions of gut bacteria that, you know, live in our gut and can help promote good health. I think I would guess that the majority of people on a plant-based diet are doing this to decrease their risk of cardiovascular disease. How does this diet help that? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, there's two things here. I think the first is we look at the nutrients that are going in. So when 
we think about cardiovascular disease or when I think about it as, as a dietitian, I'm thinking about saturated fat intake, cholesterol intake, sodium intake. We know higher intakes of those in the diet are going to increase the risk for cardiovascular disease. But I also know when people are getting more potassium, more fiber on a plant-based diet, that's going to help those lipid levels, help their blood pressure. So a lot of good benefits there. And there's many studies that really support the use of plant-based diets and helping to reduce risk for heart disease. The other interesting thing that I've learned in the past few years as I've kind of learned more about plant-based diets is that it's not necessarily just the nutrients we're taking in, like the saturated fat or cholesterol. It's also how some of these animal foods interact with our gut bacteria, going back to our gut. So when we consume certain animal products like red meat or eggs, et cetera, we are also consuming carnitine and choline. And when those are kind of metabolized by our gut and then move on to our liver, they produce a compound called T-M-A-O, trimethylamine N-oxide, which is kind of a, a mouthful <laughs> of, of words, but studies have shown higher levels of that in the blood is associated with atherosclerosis and higher levels, obviously, then of cardiovascular disease. So more than just the saturated fat. Mm -hmm. Do most people lose weight on a plant-based diet? Yes, absolutely. When I think about weight management and a plant-based diet, I think about volumetrics eating. And what I mean by that is plant-based foods are just naturally lower in calories. They're just not as calorie dense. But from a volume standpoint, we're getting more food and we're getting more fiber and that fiber is satiating. So we tend to see people feel hopefully fuller with all that fiber intake, but not eating as many calories. And that can really help them to maintain a healthy body weight. And we've seen that in studies. There was one study in 2005, had people follow a low fat vegan diet, also had some follow a national cholesterol education diet, which was basically just a diet with limited saturated fat intake. And those in the vegan group after 14 weeks, they lost on average 13 pounds and two inches off their waist. And we see that in a lot of studies, those on the plant-based diet tend to have leaner BMIs. So you can actually eat larger volumes, but have a lower caloric intake then. Exactly. When patients are interested in following a whole food plant-based diet, I'm not as concerned about telling them to track their portions or track their calories because they're eating such low calorie foods. It's just not going to add up as quickly. So in those who are overweight, if they're able to lose weight with the plant-based diet, that should improve the potential for metabolic syndrome and diabetes and possibly decrease their need for medication. Absolutely. Yes, we absolutely see that. I think with diabetes is, you know, the decreased fat intake, the decreased calorie intake, the increased fiber intake, and just a lot of these foods are lower on the glycemic index because of that higher fiber. And we've really seen in studies there improvements in insulin sensitivity, improved hemoglobin A1C levels, sometimes even more so than the traditional diabetes diets that are just controlling for carbohydrate intake. As I was doing reading for this in preparation for this uh, podcast, it mentioned some anti-inflammatory benefits. Uh, yeah. Well, tell me about that. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Patients ask me a lot, I, you know, I want to follow an anti-inflammatory diet. And I tell them there's not necessarily an anti-inflammatory diet that we're trained on as dietitians, but we do know, you know, when we're consuming plant-based foods and we think about the deep, rich colors of all of the fruits and vegetables, those are giving us phytonutrients, antioxidants, anti-inflammatory compounds. Also, when we're eating the fiber and the beans, and the healthy fats on this diet, like avocado and nuts and seeds, we get a lot of anti-inflammatory benefit there. And then it also goes back to what aren't you eating? If you're consuming more plant-based foods, it's likely you're hopefully not including as many ultra-processed foods where we're going to have more saturated fat and added sugars that are likely more pro-inflammatory in the body. Mm -hmm. Is there also some evidence that those on a plant-based diet have increased longevity? I think so. When I think about longevity, I think about some might be familiar with the blue zones, these areas of the world where there's this commonality, these populations have a low incidence of chronic disease, and they're living to be centenarians, living to be 100 years old. And they have several things in common. But when we zone in on diet, the commonality there is that 95% of their diet is plant based. And they're eating like a half cup to a cup of beans a day, they're eating a lot of vegetables and fruits. So let's say somebody decides to go on a plant-based diet. How long will it take them to see some benefits from it? I think people could probably start seeing benefits in just a few weeks. They might lose a little bit of weight. They might see some improvement in their blood pressure. They might see some improvement in their blood sugars. And that's my hope is that they see that improvement in a short period of time. So they're motivated to stick with it and continue to make these changes. Now, there are some nutritional challenges associated with a plant-based diet and getting a certain amount of nutrients. Can you uh, expand on that? Absolutely. I think the first one I get asked about is protein. And I mean, rightfully so. Protein is an important macronutrient. We absolutely need to make sure that we're meeting our protein needs. But the reality is that protein needs can be easily met with a well-planned plant-based diet. I mentioned foods already that are included, but specifically those protein-rich foods are, are the beans, lentils and hummus. That's a huge part of protein. And then and soy products like tofu and tempeh and edamame, some nuts and seeds in there. I think some are surprised to learn like one cup of tofu is 20 grams of protein or a half cup of beans is eight to 10 grams of protein. And then we also look like whole grains. Those actually contain some protein. A cup of quinoa is eight grams. Even some you know, pieces of whole wheat bread can have five or six grams of protein in one slice. And then even one cup of steamed broccoli is five grams of protein. So if you're intentional about including a variety, that protein can certainly add up. Is the protein that we get from plants is high a quality protein? Is that in meat or is protein protein? Yeah, great question. You know, when we think about high quality protein, I often think about complete protein. And that means, you know, there's nine essential amino acids that we need that our body can't make. And 
we get those from foods. So if we eat animal products, we get a complete protein. We get all nine essential amino acids. And there are some plant-based foods that are complete proteins as well. So soy is a complete protein. Hemp seeds, quinoa, those are complete protein. They have all those nine amino acids. But there are other plant-based foods that don't. They might be missing one or two amino acids, so they're not considered complete. The good thing is we can eat a variety of those throughout the day and give our body the pool of amino acids it needs to have those complete proteins. In the past, we thought we needed to do protein complementing, meaning you had to eat like two specific plant-based foods at a meal to get that complete protein. And we've really found you don't need to do that. You can be getting all the protein your body needs as long as you're just getting a good variety throughout the day. And how about specific vitamins? How about B12? Yes, that's a really good one to pay attention to. Vitamin B12 is unique in that it's only found in animal products. So if someone is following a complete whole food plant-based diet, they've taken out all of the animal products, they're going to need vitamin B12. It is added to some plant-based milks. It's found in some enriched cereals, and it's found in nutritional yeast, which is used a lot in plant-based cooking. But often I just tell patients it's probably better to take a B12 supplement just to ensure that needs are met. Mm -hmm. Any other nutrients? Um, I know we get a lot of our iron from meats. Mm -hmm. Iron from uh, plant-based foods too? Yes, absolutely. You know, heme iron is the iron that we get from animals. It's physically, it's found in their muscle and their blood. Um, and actually some research has shown increased risks for heart disease, stroke, and diabetes with higher intakes of heme iron. The iron that we get from plants is non-heme iron and doesn't appear to have that same risk. And there are multiple plant sources that are rich in iron. But again, we just need to plan and make sure that those are being included. Um, good sources, you know, again, those dark leafy greens, the lentils and beans, the tofu, whole grains are enriched with iron, some nuts and seeds seeds have iron. And then when we pair those plant foods with um, sources of vitamin C, it can help us absorb those non-heme iron sources better. And I think that happens a lot in a plant-based diet anyway. You know, for example, somebody might be eating lentils and maybe they're having tomatoes with it and the vitamin C in the tomatoes helps them absorb the iron in the lentils. Mm -hmm. How about calcium? Is that an issue? I think that is one that we also need to watch when they've looked at some of the studies, you know, really just evaluating the nutrient intake of plant-based diets, calcium intake can sometimes fall a little bit low. So, but I think with some proper planning, you can absolutely get it in, you know, calcium, again, the green leafy vegetables, tofu, a lot of the same foods that where we find the iron and plant-based milks are often fortified with calcium. So I just tell patients, we got to make sure we're getting in those sources every day to meet those needs. Okay. And a plant-based diet is pretty low fat. How about things like omega-3 fatty acids? Mm -hmm. That's an important one to watch too. Omega-3 fatty acids, specifically the plant source of omega-3s is ALA or alpha-linolenic acid. And 
good sources of that, ground flaxseed, walnuts, chia seeds, hemp seeds, soy products. So again, we just need to make sure people are including those regularly. There was a 2010 study that looked at women who were following a vegan low-fat diet, and they actually found they had more omega-3 in their blood compared to the fish and meat eaters. But that's just a key one. I tell patients, be aware, we got to make sure these are included every day. Well, Lisa, I've listened very carefully to what you've said, and I think I may have discovered a loophole. Are donuts included in a plant-based diet? If so, <laughs> count me in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're right. That is kind of where we get into the territory where I notice a lot in grocery stores, there's a lot more foods that are labeled plant-based, mm -hmm. but they might not necessarily fit the profile of what I'm thinking when I'm thinking plant-based. They can be more of those ultra-processed foods. So we, we want to be careful with that. I see, you know, especially in some of the plant-based meat substitutes that are out there, higher amounts of added saturated fat or added sodium and some of the plant-based dairy products. You know, I've seen plant-based cheesecake. It's like this kind of defeats the purpose a little bit. I figured there was a catch. <laughs> so you can actually have an unhealthy plant-based diet if you uh, really worked at it. Yeah, you absolutely could. And I think that is where we have to be careful and, and use some caution because there are a fair amount of ultra processed foods or just carbohydrates that are more refined or simple carbohydrates where, yeah, they fit the, they're plant-based. They don't have animal products and somebody may think, oh, I can eat these and I'm, I'm eating a healthy diet, but they're not getting the benefit of the fiber intake and the nutrients when they're doing doing, you know, more of the whole foods and getting kind of a well-rounded diet that way. Well, I have tried some of the plant-based meat substitutes and uh, I have to admit the palatability was marginal, but you know, <laughs> it's not bad if you put on a piece of cheese and mayonnaise and <laughs> then I think we're getting back into the donut issue again. So <laughs> have there been any improvements in the uh, palatability of plant-based meat substitutes? I personally think there absolutely has. There's so many different brands out there. It's kind of astounding when you go to the grocery store now, all of the different, and it's not just burgers, it's chicken and fish and right. all these different options. So I agree with you. The palatability can vary, but there are some good options. Again, though, that like I said, that's just where we really want to exercise caution. And I encourage people to not have these be a mainstay in their diet. We call them transition foods a lot, where if somebody's trying to adopt more of a, a whole food plant-based diet, they might use those as a way to transition away from meats, but we don't want people to stay there. We want them to eventually be reducing those. I was looking at like a vegetarian sausage in the grocery store the other day, and one serving had six grams of saturated fat, which is a mm. lot. It kind of defeats the purpose. So sure. we just want to be careful there. Well, how about uh, eating in restaurants? Do people have enough menu choices nowadays to uh, maintain their diet when they eat out? I think that it's getting better. Restaurants are good about knowing what consumers want. And I've noticed there are more choices, more plant-based options, because people are asking for that. 
you do have to be careful. There can be, you know, some deep frying or additions of sodium and fat that again, kind of defeat the purpose. And I just say, ask questions. It's okay to, you know, ask your server, is this deep fried or could I have the sauce on the side or just be looking at things on the menu that maybe you could create yourself that you could make a plant-based meal out of if there's not good choices on the menu. Well, Lisa, you've given us some really good information on plant-based diets, and um, I have to admit, I'm tempted to actually try that. Can you summarize by maybe giving us two or three key points on plant-based diets? Absolutely. First, we know there's numerous health benefits of following a whole food plant-based diet. Often patients, they come to me and say, you know, I have elevated cholesterol. I have high blood pressure. I'm pre-diabetic. I'm struggling with constipation. I've got this family history of cancer. I read online. There's so many different diets I need to follow. What can I do? And I really say a plant-based diet can kind of help with all of those conditions. It doesn't have to be a diet for this, a diet for that. By incorporating more plants in our diet, it can make a big difference for all of those. The second though, is that this could be a big change for people. And when I visit with people that are hesitant, understandably, I just say, let's work on increasing fiber. Let's work on increasing the amount of plants in your diet and just work on decreasing some of the animal products. It doesn't necessarily have to be all or none right away. Yeah, so you don't have to turn a switch and suddenly change your diet 100%. You can gradually transition into this. Exactly. I think that gives people the just the room to grow with it and have the best success mm -hmm. there. And lastly, I would just say emphasizing whole foods. You know, we've talked a lot about just because something is labeled in the grocery store as being vegan or plant-based, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the healthiest choice. So we just really want to stick to those whole foods with good fiber to get the best benefit. Mm -hmm. Well, we've been discussing plant-based diets with registered dietitian and nutritionist Lisa Lammert from the Mayo Clinic. Lisa, thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today. This was fun, and I learned an awful lot. I'm glad. Thank you so much for having me. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please follow us. Stay healthy and see you next week.